Welcome to my old Kentucky lungs and happy respiratory care week, everyone. Hopefully you're having a wonderful week and hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast. I will be speaking with my friend Lee Wisdom and we'll be covering all sorts of things. So sit back, relax, and let's start the show. Karaoke then? Yeah. What is your favorite? Uh, song about breathing. I'm going to Google. Hold on one second, please. All right. Songs with the word breathe. I mean, just breathe. That's a good one. That's so easy. Just breathe. Wait. We're recording also. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Are we really? Yeah. Oh, that's crucial. Song with the word breathe. Um, let's see. The best songs about breathing and breath. There's a little Bush song, Breathe In, Breathe Out. I don't know that one. Hillary Duff, Breathe In, Breathe Out. Mm. Florence and the Machine, Breath of Life. <gasps> Catch the My Breath, Kelly Clarkson. The Police? Yeah. Every Breath You Take? Right. That's a good one. lose my breath destiny's child i feel like that's probably not your style Uh, i know who they are i mean (laughs) (laughs) here we go this is rancor uh yeah every breath you take i mean i feel like one of these could be the future theme song of my old kentucky lung Radiohead, my iron lung. We just went over that in class today. Wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of songs with breathe. <laughs> yeah, there is. Does my so, this is great? I'll hold my breath, Ellie Goulding, and then the next one. Does my breath smell? <laughs> Blink one eighty two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All Biggest right. fear. I am with Lee Wisdom. Lee, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, we've scheduled and rescheduled a couple times. Just a few. Just a few, but we're here. Cool. So, yeah, so I'm with Lee Wisdom. He is currently clinical manager. Yes. Clinical manager of large downtown hospital. Um, let's Before we get into that, let's talk about where you started started. Yeah. So, um, I actually started in 2011 back so many years ago, um, (laughs) as a patient care associate in the intensive care unit at another hospital in the Louisville area. Um, from there decided that I wanted to go into healthcare and didn't really know what, uh, direction to go. So started out with actually learning about nursing. Um, it was pretty interesting, but so many of our friends quickly realized that it was not for me and that I really enjoyed, uh, the specific, um, cardiopulmonary aspects that respiratory had to offer and switched gears pretty quick into the undergraduate experience at Bellarmine. Um, did a four-year degree there in respiratory therapy, started working as a bedside therapist, did that cool. for a couple years. Did you ever live on campus at I, Bellarmine? I never lived on campus. That would have been fun. I don't know. I mean, I live so close to there. Did you ever go to any of the basketball games? I did. Cool. Uh, maybe one. <laughs> yeah i'm not a big sports fan i don't know i mean do i come off as a sports type not really no yeah that's an accurate <laughs> assumption 
That's my dogs in the background, of course. You've all heard them every episode so far. Uh, yeah, so Bellarmine. So you get your bachelor's degree in respiratory. Yes. And then what? Yeah, so I uh, actually started working in the PICU, went the children's route, realized that I loved caring for kids. So I went that route and worked in the PICU for a while. Um shortly after that, decided that I wanted to pursue a master's degree. So um, almost immediately after finishing the bachelor's degree, I went back into Bellarmine's master's of health science program. How much of a break did you take? Um, let's see. We graduated in May and I started in August. So a couple months. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep um, this going. It was fresh and I was ready and, you know, the cost was only going to go up. So I right. jumped in while I could. There you go. Um, did that program because it was completely online. So I was able to work full time while doing it. And it had an emphasis in healthcare leadership, which is um, one pathway that I thought I might like to go in the future. These dogs are so loud right now. They're excited. I'm sure they're coming in on the podcast too. One of them was in my lap a minute ago. Yeah. Um, All right. Stop biting on Lucy. Thank you. Yeah. So did that program. Uh, what was that like completing a master's online? It was interesting. You know, coming from um, a traditional undergraduate in-class experience yeah. and going to completely online was, um, it was interesting. It was also somewhat of a challenge when you're used to having somebody standing in front of you and lecturing and teaching you yeah. um, to going more the, here are some assignments, here are some readings, teach yourself with a couple of PowerPoints, maybe audio guided PowerPoints from the professors. It was a big change. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big change. Yeah. I'm teaching an online med term at the community college and the students online have to go through an orientation. Myth versus fact. And it's basically like what you said. Online, you're going to have to teach yourself to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, you don't have the classroom interaction around you and stuff but yeah it's very self-guided it's great to be able to work full-time and be able to go to school like that yeah how quickly did you become a traveler so i worked um in the louisville area in children's um in the picu for about maybe a little over a year and a half just shy of two years and um, that included some time at Children's while I was still in school because ba- when I was in the oh, bachelor's yeah. program, we were eligible to take our boards while still enrolled. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, crazy, but <laughs> yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, and right? I'm so thankful that... Yeah, before um, you even walk, you're already yeah, registered. Super thankful that um, for myself and for my classmates that we were the last class that got to do that. Okay, so really? okay. it was awesome. So that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't, okay. no. So they have to wait until after graduation now. Yeah. Um, but... There are still great opportunities in the hospitals. Um, there might even be some more opportunities coming for our respiratory students here in Louisville soon. Um, so lots of interesting stuff. But I jumped um, actually from the PICU to travel only because I wanted to pay for the master's degree online. Right. Um, I wanted to pay for it. Um, I wanted to do it online. I wanted to pay for it and not have to borrow. So, you know, with healthcare, obviously. Um, working Traveling, and- you can make pretty decent money yeah you can make uh you can you can make good money it depends on uh where you're willing very quickly after graduation yeah you know the recommendation when i started traveling they only required one year and i know some companies are doing two now oh really um i don't know which ones but i know some companies i've heard are now doing two years of critical care um i think because 
well, my guess would be that many millennials jump into respiratory care or nursing and quickly thereafter, within a year, start applying for travel because of the money that can be made and the experience of travel. I mean, it really is an awesome experience. You know, you're doing what you love, what you went to school for and living in wherever you want to go, actually. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Phoenix and that's how I got East Coast was right at a year. I think even under a year is when I started applying. Uh, But yeah, almost immediately went East Coast and Travel is great to see exactly how different the job is from state to state. It's so interesting. It, it <laughs> the actually, terminology, uh, the equipment. Uh, yeah, it just was really, that was eye-opening to me. Yeah, it was really, um, that was one of my favorite aspects of travel, actually, was the fact that you could literally end an assignment in one place, the next day start an assignment somewhere else, and they used totally different ventilators, totally different modes. There were totally different methodologies for how the physicians cared for uh, the patients and what they did. Um, so it was really interesting, and it sort of gave you insight to um, just all of the different ways that people think and the different yeah. options that we have as RTs um, and even as nursing because, you know, traveling as an RT, we work pretty closely still with nurses. So you could see just hand in hand how much different it was yeah. one state away. <clears throat> um, which I can also see why companies would maybe want two years experience because you get one week orientation. Yeah. <laughs> if that. Here's the department. Here's the equipment. Here's the pager numbers. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very limited. Yeah. I think it um, actually, you know, depends on where you're at and what kind of staffing model they have at the time that you get there. For my first assignment, and we don't have to mention where, but the first place that I went to as a traveler, um, I showed up and day one, I was with somebody and day two, I came back and they were like, oh, you're on your own today. What? Yeah. (laughs) So um, I would say that two years is really I mean, the one year is definitely required, but two years, that's really foundational. Um, I actually tell people when they ask for advice, you need to be comfortable enough that you could handle a situation on your own with no other RT to back you up. Because in many circumstances, um, places that you're traveling are in need of staff, and that is the reason that you're coming there. (laughs) Um, And there are not always the best staffing scenarios. One place that I worked, I was the only RT on. Um, with responsibility for 30 NICU babies and an eight-bed pediatric floor. So it's just really <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I remember one of, in Philadelphia, I worked local agency, <clears throat> and I went to this one hospital. I picked up 11P to 7A, never been in that hospital. I walked in, the RT that I was taking over from was heading out, and she's like, oh, here's a sheet Here's the patients you need to see. Uh, in that room over there, that's the equipment. That room over there is the kitchen. Uh, here is your pager, and there's a phone number of the manager if you need to call them. Uh, have a good one. I think at that point, I would have asked. Um, <laughs> and I was by myself in the entire hospital, 11 to 7. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. I probably saw 10 people over the course of the night, but still the the... Potential, potential. <laughs> for something to go yeah. wrong, but oh, it's gosh. Fun. I mean, it's also as horrible as that is. It's still kind of fun. Yeah, I think later on, <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like you know, even if sometimes the staffing isn't what it should be, where you're at for these travel assignments, um, 
there are also times where it's really great yeah. and you get the higher pay for a reason and you're getting to experience a different culture. Yep. Um, so it Just has a travel. lot of advantages. It really does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So went from travel, then you came back to Louisville. Then what? I did. So, um, following completion of the master's degree, I knew I wanted to come home because, you know, I have a house here in Oldham County, so I wanted to come back to my house. I was tired of living in apartments <laughs> and paying for a house here. Um, so I wanted to come home and I started looking for positions and actually an education position opened up. Um, really awesome experience at the time. I didn't know if I wanted to go more education or more leadership, um, but the door was opened. And education being still in the hospital. Clinical education, yeah. correct. Yeah, clinical education for a department. Um, so I took that opportunity. Um, I was actually, I mean, I was blessed with that opportunity, um, and ran with it and learned so much. Um, especially after being gone traveling for a little over a year and a half and seeing the different ways that different places did things. Um, I came back with just outside ways of thinking yeah. that I think were really beneficial. Yeah. Um, so did that for about seven months and then, um, <laughs> interviewed for a position as a hospital department respiratory leader and same have, department. Yes. And, yep. um, have been blessed with that opportunity. And, um, I've had the privilege to support a great team of about 65 to 70 RTs for a little over a year now. Yeah. How long have you been graduated Under, from, from undergrad? Yeah. Uh, four years. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 2000. Well, yeah. 2015, May of 15. So we're coming up on five. <laughs> see people the opportunity is there that's well, what you make of it it really is and i think that's the thing is you have to realize you know up until now really respiratory care the pathways have been limited yeah and that's changing you know healthcare is continuing to change but our profession is changing and our profession is growing and there has never been a better time than now to really if you're interested in that take the initiative fight for it show that you're willing to put in the work and go the extra mile um, and the possibilities. I mean, I see new things coming almost every week and it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Curtis, who was on the last episode, the last podcast, he spoke to our students today and he was, I'm like, what is your advice for the students? And when he was, I think he, I forget I think he called it. Just don't become a break room bandit. A break room bandit. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag break room bandit. Break room bandit. Don't okay. be. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It's something like that. He's like, just don't become one of those people who is all about clearing their task bar and hanging out in the break room. Hmm. You know, be more involved at the bedside, the ICU. You know, if you want to be the person who influences decision making. Right. You know, I think you know, really in today's world and in healthcare, that's the only way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was a break room bandit every once in a while. I think I know. it, But yeah. I mean, I think I've definitely been that person before. Oh, yeah. um, I think I wonder how much of that is just um, from what, you know, occurs in different facilities or, um, definitely, you know, the culture of different departments nationwide. I mean, Oh yeah. As a clinical director, I go from hospital to hospital night and day. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just, um, so dependent upon the role that you play, the role that your team plays, um, and the amount of, um, the amount of respect really that you have from your medical director and from the care team and, yeah. I think that can make or break you. 
from your time uh, graduating traveler and your current hospital, uh, what has been today has been all about ventilators at school. What is your favorite ventilator? Um, I am definitely a servo guy. Um, I love the servo eye. I think, um, even though it doesn't have a high tidal volume alarm, <laughs> I mean, I have to, okay. no, it is a great ventilator. I mean, I'm that sorry. Thing is like this podcast is sponsored by servo. I, right. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Can we get some food delivered servo? No. Um, I think, you know, when I was in school, we had two vents in the lab. It was the Puritan vent at 840 and the servo. I, um, yeah. and back then, so long ago, not really. I can remember being terrified of the servo and being like, um, just really praying that when it came time for those lab practicals, that I drew the 840 out of the hat because I didn't want to have to set up the servo and do stuff. But um, switching into the kids' world, you really have to get used to it. I mean, it's just why? Why is it such a great vent for? the kids world and not adults. Well, I think you could, uh, I would argue that it is a great <coughs> event for adults. I think I could argue. So that why it's a great is event. there, why is it out there that, Oh, that's a kid's event. I mean, I think that primarily maybe one of the biggest reasons that we see the servo used in pediatric facilities is Nava, um, which of course is proprietary to servo. So, you know, we can't really. Um, Nava is only for servo. I don't know of another event that has not. Oh, really? Do you? Oh, no. Oh, I good. don't know. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely Servo's product. So um, yeah. I have not seen Nava. Now, I'll tell you, um, Drager has some great options as far as modes of ventilation for neonates, and that's what we used in Wisconsin. Um, so I have much more respect for Drager. In Kentucky, I had never used it. So right. that was interesting. Um, I think the hardest part there was the change in mode names. But um as far as servo goes, I think Nava is a huge reason that it's so widely used in pediatric and specifically in neonatal facilities. Um, but really, you can do anything on it. And, you know, truthfully, I don't think, just considering, I don't know that I really would say I love the servo more than the 840. I think event is event. And if you right. can use it and if you understand it, then you can turn it on. You can use it. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. Figure out all the different act like yeah, it nothing drives my students crazier than Kyle, I can't find VC plus. And it's like which oh. ventilator are you using? Oh yeah. PRVC. That's PRVC. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, everyone has to have like Josh Curtis brought up a chat burns list and it was like three hundred modes of ventilators out there which all basically do like i think he's like 11 different modes but everyone has their own aprv by level by pap by vent you know and so it's interesting how they just sort of change one or two things to make it their own yeah um which makes it really confusing for us as healthcare providers yeah when it's time to provide the care i did my vent comps on the 900 c What's that? <laughs> Google it. Uh, it was a workhorse. 900C. Yep, Servo 900C. You did not set a tidal volume. You set a night time. You set a pressure. There's no graphs. No there's graphs. No waveforms. Nope. Not till the 7200 came around. It look like there's much of anything on this. And if you would like to buy one, they are for sale on eBay for $250. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I have one in my closet. 
at school. Not, I was going to ask my house. <laughs> closet behind you. Yeah. And then a little blender. You just attached a blender on the side. But the RT, you had to open the hood on that and pull all the rubber hoses out, autoclave them and put it back together. And, and yeah. now everything, you just throw it away and start over. Yeah. Dang. That was a great. No, it was. I mean, it was a workhorse. It still would work today if they just kept making parts. But yeah, that was. Wow. That and, and looking at that ventilator, that was used in 2005, 2006. I'm sure there's other places still using it, but that that came out, and I think like the Servo 300 replaced it for a while. But then everyone got like the 840s and 7200s and stuff. But yeah, that ventilator was pretty cool dang i don't know i mean i guess because i've never had to really um practice without all of the added tech i don't know how it would function without some waveforms <laughs> and waveforms is only about 30 years old wow yeah i i just really can't imagine um yeah with all that we use waveforms now i not having them don't I mean, I'm sure I'm kind of right, but I think it's the, when the 7200 came out, that is when the microprocessor came out, and that's where we got waveforms. And it's not been that long. <laughs> I'm Googling the 7200 ventilator real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to find release dates on those ventilators. Oh, I remember this one. Yeah. Okay. I've never used it, but I remember it. It weighs about 1,000 pounds probably. It has a little um, screen. I mean, it almost looks like a Bronc cart. Yeah. Like the screen is lifted. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I graduated 2004 and I told my students today, and I probably said on this podcast, the technology just since 2004 is unbelievable. Yeah. Josh brought in the Hamilton G5. <clears throat> it's got pictures of lungs. <laughs> I mean, it's got, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the the technology behind this stuff is getting really crazy. Much more advanced. <clears throat> yeah. Did um, you mention you're back in school? I am back in school. Um, I'm in my third semester of a PhD program. Are you already in your third semester? Yeah, three of ten. Well, really, it's, I think, three of eight because two are dissertation. Yeah. So we're almost, I think, uh, the halfway point is... Maybe next summer we'll be halfway through the didactic um, coursework. And then it'll be not too long after that. We'll start really hitting the dissertation heavy. Yeah. It so, goes by fast. It is going by Ooh. fast. Much faster than I thought it would go by. And then it's a standstill. Yeah, I'm hoping mine's not a standstill. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is out there. I'm just waiting to hear back. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just a little frustrated. <laughs> oh, there's a dog. But, yeah, got content experts, and you got to work with the committee, and everyone's got a timeline. Yeah, and, so and everyone's got their learning own patience. busy schedule. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, mm. but it's good. When are you but, done? Uh, my goal will be to defend Ooh. spring 2021. Okay, so I should be done spring of 2022. Yeah. Pending everything goes as planned. Right. Um, are you doing a traditional yep. five chapter dissertation? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I sound so defeated. <laughs> Just a little bit. Hey, it's going to be done. A good dissertation is a done dissertation. 
Right. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect dissertation. You get it done and then you can save the world when you're done. Right. Yeah. Call it a day. Yep. Dr. Mahan. One day. Pending. Uh, When I do get done, I do want to be a content expert or a dissertation chair. For what kind of topics? Anything. (laughs) Quantum physics. Just call Kyle. uh, Engineering. um, Woodworking. Okay. No, education. uh, Higher higher education. uh, Organizational leadership. Yeah. Retention. Relevancy. Expectancy value. um, Respiratory therapy. I feel like I... You're probably a content expert in that. I'd hope so. (laughs) I think that you could call yourself a content expert in that. Yeah. Yeah. So those would be the areas. Good. Yeah. Um, And then when you do have your PhD, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? I have no idea. (laughs) You know, um, that's the really nice thing um, about where we're at right now in life and in healthcare in general is... I don't know what the opportunities are going to be two and a half years from now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm taking it just one day at a time. My um, focus area is in organizational leadership and healthcare leadership and um, recruitment and retention, um, employee satisfaction and engagement, those yeah. sort of general areas, which are super important for healthcare leaders. Um, so I'm hoping to finish that and then figure out, how I can make an impact on employee satisfaction or on recruitment specifically for respiratory therapists. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, let's see here. So what has surprised you in your new role? So, you know, going from being, you know, a staff therapist, you know, oh, I can be a manager. I know what's in that. I've read the job description. But what has kind of like, oh, wow, that you didn't realize beforehand? Yeah. So I would say the first thing um, I walked into the, well, you know, when interviewing for the position, one of the big things I asked was what was expected and what are some of the biggest differences moving from staff to leadership. Um, and I was given some good advice. Uh, but really, I continue to learn things every day. I would say for me, the biggest um, struggle or the biggest um, concept from the leadership side of things to grasp is productivity standards. Um, there's really nothing easy about them. So, you know, having productivity standards and making sure that um, workflow is consistent and throughput is happening and patients are being cared for appropriately Um, it's an interesting sort of compilation of um, leadership and the team. And it's one of those things that without the team, I would not be able to fulfill those patients' needs. So I would say probably the biggest surprise for me was just really having to understand what makes an acceptable workload and how to best support the staff and how to best support each team member. on days that are really heavier, on days that are shorter, and how to balance that budget and manage those department budgetary needs. Because as a staff member, I can remember always thinking like, you know, I'm super busy in the picky today, or, um, oh, there's a budget potentially, I want to go home. And I never really understood 
why those things happened, why some days we had higher workloads, why some days we were being sent home. Um, I definitely remember being called and, you know, do you want to stay home? Absolutely. I was one of those people that jumped on those opportunities. Um, but now being on this side <laughs> right. of the... I'll go home at 10. <laughs> being on this side of the desk, um, it's really interesting. It's really um, dynamic and you really have to give some thoughtful... Um, I mean, you really just have to think about each day differently because no day is the same. Um, there's never a day that our workloads are exactly the same. Our patients are exactly the same. Their needs, I mean, it's forever changing. So it's just really cool to sort of get to see all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. And like we, I was off before we were recording, things that always stood out to like fascinating, like when I started getting into leadership positions was kind of knowing some of the behind the scenes thing that I feel like isn't sometimes clearly communicated to staff. Yeah. You know, I was probably the most wasteful <laughs> therapist out there. You know, uh, like today I learned, you know, when Josh Curtis came, an aerogen net that we hook up on the patient's line can be cost up to like $40. Yeah. It's versus really impressive. A, just a, a Perry net, which probably costs, Two. Two bucks. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know? um, yeah, so just those things. It's just like, oh, wow. Yeah, maybe I can just grab the one I need instead of a handful and throw it in my bag. For sure. And you I know? think that in you know just what you're sharing about um, being um, appropriate with our resources goes just hand in hand with the productivity talk that I was sharing because ultimately both of those things really impact how the department's going to run and how the hospital's going to run. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we're balancing not just one thing, but maybe 10 things or um, maybe more. Maybe it, it differs from organization to organization, but correct me if I'm wrong. Departments, respiratory departments and hospitals do not generate revenue. Our value comes from getting the patient out of the ICU quicker or getting the patient discharged quicker. That respiratory value doesn't come in from making money for the hospital, but essentially saving money for the hospitals. Um, I don't know exactly how to answer that. Um, I would definitely argue that, you know, a lot of the, um, procedures and therapies that we provide, there are charges for. So we do generate revenue. Um, how exactly that's used on the bigger organizational level, I'm not 100% sure of. Yeah. Um, but we definitely have um, charges associated with procedures. And we also have productivity points that are associated with those therapies. So um, I would actually, um, I'm going to look more into that. But I definitely know that we do generate like, some revenue. If we prevent VAP, if we prevent, you know, ventilator-associated events, if we can wean the patient, minimize sedatives, yeah. get the patient off on Wednesday instead of Friday, sure, out of the ICU, that we're potentially saving. Oh, for sure. Decreasing you know. length of stay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're also decreasing, <clears throat> I mean, we're helping our patients. I mean, yeah. we're reducing their risk. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And but, patients too. So. You know, money's important, but we're ultimately yeah. doing. That's what they, you know, I kind of tell my students is at the end of the day, our patients are 
customers and you have to have a measure of customer service. Well, and I think, you know, one of the key drivers for healthcare nationwide right now is patient experience. Um, We all know that um, definitely in the Kentucky area and even when I was in Wisconsin, um, those surveys that patients get afterwards to see how satisfied they were with their care. Those are really important. HCAPs? HCAPs? Press Ganey, HCAPs. Yeah. Yeah. They're crucial. And they're looked at very critically. I have opinions. (laughs) (laughs) What are they? Uh, Or should we not discuss that online? No, we can can do whatever (laughs) I want. Yes, we need to be smile and nod and be nice to the patients. Do we need to bend over backwards and provide a luxury resort experience for the patient? Or should we, you're sick, let's get you not sick and get you out of here. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying, if it's me in the hospital, I want those smiles and I want the luxury treatment. I was was in Canada hanging out and I was talking to this person up there, uh, this guy, and we're talking about hospitals and healthcare and stuff. And, you know, I was like, this is what I always hear about Canada. And he was like, I was on Facebook and a friend of mine had a baby outside Cleveland and she's showing pictures and I was like texting her. Oh my God, you had your child at home. That is so cool. She said, no, I'm at the hospital. He's like, Oh, I was looking at the pictures. Hmm. It looked like you were in your home. And she's like, Oh no, that's, this is my, this is my, (laughs) this is my (laughs) hospital hospital room. Framed pictures, wood floors, wood panel, you know, and he was like, that's just so different up here. It's you're sick. You go to the hospital, you get better, you go home. Yeah. The hospital is a hospital and not a, he's like, I don't understand why you guys (laughs) (laughs) create this five star resort experience. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess I can see it both ways. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I definitely, you know, would like some comforts but yeah do we have to in those in a lot of those surveys too and maybe you can influence change or you've seen it but nothing is respiratory specific well i would actually argue against that um one of my favorite parts about being a leader is when those surveys come back and there are comments about respiratory therapy um it's really eye-opening and really exciting um to see those commendations from patients or from their family members when we've cared for their loved ones during, you know, very difficult times. Um, And we do commonly actually get respiratory care specific commentary. So it's really exciting. But there's no questions specifically. I don't think anything address. No, I don't, I don't think there's anything specific to it. I don't know about elsewhere. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on that though. Yeah. There was a, Oh man. I should know it because I contributed a piece to the ARC Times. But there was a hospital that was dealing with that very issue of these hospital surveys, which have a very real financial impact on respiratory departments. Sure. That don't even, there isn't anything specific to respiratory therapists Mm. that the leaders created, the respiratory leaders created their own surveys. It was at a children's hospital. And patients who had respiratory therapists, they delivered, they delivered uh, surveys 
to those rooms and had parents fill out the surveys. And then that way they got some real good raw feedback on their yeah. department. Was it, is it official that you Maybe know, not. administrators are going to look at? No, but it really also did kind of better inform respiratory on how they're providing that customer service to patients and their families. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think that's something that a lot of hospitals are um, starting to utilize, not necessarily in the written form, but um, just by um, having leaders more involved going out and talking to patients. I know that's something we do every day. Um, so that's a really good opportunity for real-time positive or negative feedback that we can use either um, to share with our teams for commendations or um, for opportunities for growth if they're not the most positive comments. Um but I definitely see in here, um, just from being on social media and being on the um, AARC Connect, that that is becoming more common. Um, yeah. Visiting patients and having leadership uh, team members go and visit patients and talk to them while they're in the hospitals. Yeah, that's great. I used to go around after staff would do first rounds in the evenings, and I'd go pick a few, uh, pick a few patients and. I would just ask, you know, how was well? Oh, it was great. And did they uh, encourage you to rinse your mouth out after you used your uh, inhaled corticosteroid? The results were Sounds like great. you're a spy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a spy. Uh, but yeah, I would just kind of, you know, just ask some questions, you know, just about their care and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, I'd always ask that one too. And boy, it wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> it was always a good... All right, let's go back to the <laughs> department and uh, do a little re-education. <laughs> what was it Josh called it? Hold on. What was department what? I want to say, oh, break, break room. room bandits. I think it was. Hmm. Hashtag uh, break room bandits. I'm going to text them right now. But I should have started uh, with this. Re happy Respiratory Care Week. Oh, my gosh. Happy Respiratory Care Week. How That's... did we? We were too busy singing Catch My Breath. <laughs> we were too busy. uh uh, figure out which is the best song uh, that mentions breathing or lungs. I think it's got to be Kelly Clarkson. I'm going with the, the police. Every breath you take. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, wh so what is your hospital doing for Respiratory Care Week? We're doing a lot of great stuff. Um, so I have had probably one of the best weeks despite being sick. Um We've done a variety of events. We've done um, meals each day. I know. I had um, breakfast at your hospital. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I heard you had Kidoba next door, too. I did. I just kept um, walking from hospital to hospital. Sounds like Kyle had a buffet. Um, so we've done events every day. We've done some games. We've done some giveaways um, just to sort of recognize and appreciate our team members. And, what did you give away? Anything good? Mm, I can't tell you because we have some more prizes this week that might oh. might not be the same. Um, <laughs> we announced our Respiratory Therapist of the Year yesterday, so that was oh. a really exciting time. Who is it? Can we ask? Oh, yes. Her name is Karen. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so Why she, did she get awesome. Therapist um, of the Year? You know, we actually, this year was super exciting. We had several nominations, and everybody... Um, was just very. Does the um, staff nominate? Yeah, the staff oh, okay, nominates. Okay, so it's peer, right? Oh, it's awesome. peer nominated, so very thoughtful, um, and just recognized her for being um, always helpful and checking on people, going the extra mile, um, really just going above and beyond, and being a resource and a mentor for anyone. Yeah, I always 
judged whether or not I'm a good therapist based off, I would frequently ask the person following me, am I a good person to follow? Oh, yeah. That was the best. To me, that was a great way to gauge whether or not, like, you know, you everyone does it when they go in, all right, who am I following? And you're either going, oh, cool, or... Oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> crap. All the water bottles are going to be empty. The suction uh, <laughs> cups oh, are going to no. be overflowing. Uh, right? But I would always... I, am, am I okay to follow? And that, that was my... That was my uh, indicator of whether or not I was a good RT. That's important. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really important. Yeah. So prizes, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, so we did. Yeah, we did prizes. We did meals. We did some employee gifts. I can't tell you what they are though, because some people haven't gotten them yet. But I thought they were pretty cool. Um, this Monday, we actually our whole leadership team came in and we cooked breakfast. So that was fun. That was really exciting. What'd you cook? Listen, I took the easy way out. I bought sausage links and I put them in my air fryer. And then I just oh, cooked them that way. There you go. So I didn't have to like make a mess or anything and threw the air fryer in the car and took it home and washed it. But we had waffles, we had breakfast casseroles, we had donuts, we had juice. Hmm. I mean, we went all out. It was a lot of fun. What is the most popular, not just restaurant care? Most popular respiratory potluck food. <clears throat> oh gosh, that's hard. I was thinking about um, this earlier. Pinwheels, pasta salad, pasta salad. Don't tell Mary Beth. Uh, Store bought frosted sugar cookies hmm. with the icing. Oh on yeah, it. like the, the blue icing. and pink icing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's got to be a popular respiratory potluck uh, food. Veggie trays. The veggie tray. Costco has a lot of great stuff like pretzels and <laughs> cheese, free snacks while you're going through Costco. Yeah. Uh, oh, there was a one other really popular item that I was like, that is always included. And I can't think of it now. Buffalo chicken dip. Cheese, homemade cheese ball. Right, with the yeah. bacon or something on the outside. I, I do love a cheese ball. <laughs> I really do love a good cheese ball. Yeah, I was like, that's a that's a popular one. That's a popular item. Yeah, I do miss. I missed working bedside this week. <laughs> I mean, you came and saw us. Oh, I know. What's your... How often do you do bedside care? I would say maybe every other day. Yeah. At least. I see patients every single day. Um, What's the one thing you miss? Um, I really miss the ER. Yeah. Um, I really loved just having to critically think and <laughs> never knowing what was coming through the door and having to run with it and not having time to prepare and just having to really scramble and get stuff ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really miss the ED. Yeah, I miss but, a good code. I'll yeah. be at the hospital visiting students and I'll hear, you know, code blue overhead. And I'll just be like, oh, yeah, should I go with them? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, that must be nice. Uh, you know, that's the sadistic thing. But yeah, I was like, well, I really enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed night shift being way too short staff. Two codes going on at the same time and everyone just... At the time, you hate it, but 
Something I actually you know, miss. <laughs> I think the important thing about night shift that everybody really has to recognize is, um, and this is true everywhere I've ever worked. Um, there is just something about the night shift team that they are always a family. Always. Yeah, I believe it. I have everywhere I've ever worked. Um, those of us who are on night shift and I worked night shift for, I almost said a lot of years, but it really wasn't <laughs> a lot of years, but really my PCA years and my ER tech years, those were on night shift. Um, and it is always such a family environment and they always have each other's backs. Um, and maybe it is because, you know, I think for respiratory specifically, you know, most of our patients, um, at least what I've seen in the Louisville area and also even in Wisconsin, um, we don't really wake our patients up at night for breathing treatments. Sometimes we do. Yeah, that's popular in Louisville. But um, Q4 while awake is a big thing here. Yeah. Um, so I don't those, know why. You know, those numbers do drop. Um, and that was the same thing in Wisconsin. I didn't really understand it. Um, Western Kentucky, we actually did Q4 everything. Um, but here specifically, you know, those numbers drop. And I think that's even something that pushes people closer together. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started, like in Phoenix, Q4 around the clock NEBS didn't exist. Hmm. That was QID and then as needed. Wow. And at night, if the patient needed one, the nurse did it. Really? Yeah, because respiratories just did all the ICUs and ER. Oh, okay. You know, um, and then during the day, respiratory did what we called clinical monitoring. You either had a respiratory assignment or you were doing A-lines, setting up swans, uh, balloon pumps was part of respiratory. So the NEBS. Interesting. Yeah. So the NEBS was kind of like, oh, we don't. That wasn't really anything anyone cared about <laughs> in the respiratory department. Mm -hmm. It was, we've got vents, A-lines, uh, RTs did power picks at the okay. bedside. We just started doing those. Yeah. I think that's starting to become a, a growing yeah. uh, area for respiratory, uh, which is exciting. But yeah, so it was just, we had all these other things. Sure. No one cared about the NEBS. Oh, let nursing do that because they're already in the room whatever. And it's just... I mean, a good quality treatment is important, but right. it was kind of like, oh, that's something that nursing can handle. Went East Coast, Philly, same thing. When I came out here, it was like, I have to wake someone up at 3? What? What? 1 a.m. for a key 6? What? <laughs> 3 a.m. for a flutter? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, a, once again, traveling exposes you to the differences. All these other things. And then you can bring that back. And here, what I like, I like this. I didn't like that. I like that. I didn't yeah. like that. That's true. You know, the big thing too for me was um, all of most of my travel experience and most of my experience before where I'm at now was um, neonatal and peds. And um, there are some big differences between what you'll do for a little baby and what you'll do for an adult. Right. So when I came back here from the NICU in Wisconsin to the adult hospital, I was used to having little babies on vents and just letting them rest. And our goal was not to bother them all night. <laughs> to now being much more involved and having to wake people up. And yeah, um, it's just totally different. Um, here is a good question. Uh, since you are still very young and a leader and have another 40 years of a career. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you see respiratory going in the next 10 years? I think that's a really hard question to answer. I know, right? Um, I think, 
speaking for Kentucky, um, we have a really great license that allows us to do a lot. So I think that in Kentucky, um, I look for respiratory therapy to grow quite a bit. I look for um, more RTs to begin participating in vascular access initiatives. Um, definitely more RTs participating on ECMO teams, yeah. critical care transport Yeah, teams. your organization is the leader in that out here, for sure. We do have some RTs on ECMO teams, yeah. which is cool. Um, critical care transport. I think that um, one of the big up-and-coming things for um, respiratory therapy um, that's existent in some other areas of the nation, but maybe not here quite yet, or may have just started to launch here, is COPD navigators and yeah. pulmonary disease uh, navigators and educators. Um, I think that's um, up-and-coming and really important for future growth of not only the pulmonary navigators, but also respiratory therapy as a profession, because that's really going to show how we can play a role in care management, how we can play a role in follow-up, how we can decrease length of stays and readmission rates. Um, So I think that's going to be really big. That's an area that I tell my students uh, is becoming a thing. After Patty Gilpin was on this episode and it's hospitals are going, Oh my God, COPD. Did you guys know that COPD is a big thing? I mean, we're all, sit- yeah, respiratory is sitting over here going, yeah, hi. Actually, we did. We've, we've, we've been here for a while now, and they're going, oh, we need someone to do smoking cessation. We need to do discharge planning. Yep. We need, and we need to focus on these COPDers. And I think hospitals are now starting to go, oh, wow, we have a whole department full of these people. Yeah. Who has a bachelor's? Who's registered? Who can do it? Yeah. Who's ready, will? Yeah, and I so think, that's my big push to students is get that AEC credential. Let yep. the hospital pay for it. Get your bachelor's. Let the hospital pay for it. <laughs> uh, if you if you already have your bachelor's, like Lee, get your master's. The hospital will help pay for it. I mean, it's just there's dollars sitting out there if you're just willing to. That just that you blows have to me away. Put in that work. Yeah, you know you can't just sit students. back and expect it to be handed to you. Because if you are, you know. I can speak for my students. If you graduate and you have your associates and you're registered and you're amazing and everyone's loving you and a discharge planner position pops up, clinical coordinator position pops up, COPD navigator, and you don't have that BS degree as petty as it is or isn't. Yeah. You know, that just sucks to have an opportunity then you just can't get it. So, do it now. Well, you're not in a hurry before you are in a hurry. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Some of those positions, I mean, I think that there's a lot of potential for growth with those types of positions, but I also foresee those positions being ones that people go into and stay in them. So, yeah. I would definitely agree. Don't hurry up or hurry up and get it. Don't um, wait for it and then try to rush right. it. Because then, oh, here's that job. Oh, now I need the AEC or now I need yeah. the AARC COPD educator course yeah. um, or disease management course. I forget yeah. what it's called now. Uh, um, CO, yeah. With the ARCs thing? Yeah. What is it called now? <laughs> is it pulmonary disease educator? I think it yeah. is. It changed recently. Yeah. PDE. And then there's a pulmonary rehab. I need to do the pulmonary rehab. You probably rehab do because you're getting ready to start teaching yeah. a new class. Yeah. I'm going to be teaching a geriatric and pulmonary rehab class and 
I need to learn about. <laughs> I mean, I know like indications and kind of what pulmonary rehab is, but I need to educate myself yeah. further on that. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. With you. I think it's going to be like the vascular access. It's going to be advanced clinician stuff, and then it's going to be preventive maintenance. Yeah. It's going to be either discharge planner, COPD navigator, uh, smoking cessation therapist, or advanced practice. For sure. You know, ECMO, all that kind of stuff. And so that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Lots of opportunity. Lots of growth. Lots of potential. There really is. Yep. Um, Also... So this year, you attended first national conference. I did. Yeah. Summer form. I did. First time. Fun. Absolutely. Um, definitely plan on going back without a doubt. Next year, it's Park City, Utah. I know. I've never been to Utah. I haven't either. I want to go. But it'll be during <laughs> the summer. So yeah, it should be nice. So unless it's like magically cold out there in the summer i don't know and then congress is in a couple weeks new orleans i don't get to go to that i do i well i shouldn't say i don't get to i chose not to yeah yeah you wrote a grant is that how it worked for summer forum i did yeah we had some support from work and that was really nice so they supported um a couple of us going and learning about the topics and then bringing them back and sharing so super exciting very appreciative for that support yeah, have you you haven't been to a congress yet, right? I have not. Yeah, that's on my list for next year. I don't know where it's at next year. Well, I am I not. Oh, it's in Orlando, isn't it? Is it? I think it's in Orlando. ARC. Um, twenty twenty. I'm like a hundred percent sure it's in Orlando because I have friends that I've already asked if we can go to Disney around that time. Oh, yeah, you there. have like the passes, don't you? Well, I don't have the passes to Disney. I do to Universal. <laughs> um. Yeah, but um, I do want to go to Congress next year. Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Wait, yeah, November 14th to 17th. And then 2021, it's in my hometown. Phoenix. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Well, November, it won't be 110. I was just oh. sitting here thinking summer form. I was like, uh, wow. uh, <laughs> no, it'll be beautiful in Phoenix yeah. in 2021. That'll be good. That'll uh, be awesome. No, I, you know, I really loved Summer Forum. I think that um, for leaders and educators, that's like, I mean, that's what it's for, obviously. Um, but definitely really enjoyed that time there and enjoyed the content. Yeah. Uh, may or may not be interested in submitting a potential topic for next year. Brady Scott just posted on Twitter, proposals now being accepted for oh, 2020. God, it's too soon. I don't know if I'm ready. Um <laughs> He'll just, yeah. I'll just, he'll sign you up for something. Yeah. Calling you. I think he'll do that to you. I don't know if he knows me well enough for that, but um, maybe. Yeah. He's almost done with his PhD. Yes, he is. And he's doing the non-traditional dissertation like I am. Yeah. Yeah. He should be done before we know it. That's awesome. I know he's ABD. I think he just has to, I don't know if he's done with his comps, but yeah, he's pretty close, I think. Hmm. So good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So summer form. Smaller than Congress, but still good size. It's comfortable. I like it. If I had to choose between the two, I'd always choose summer form, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, Congress is cool to see thousands of people, uh, mm. but it's huge. I mean, it's just really big. Yeah, which is good. But yeah, I, I like the small. Uh, our state conferences; those have been good. Yes, this year's was awesome. Yeah, Bowling Green. Out in Bowling Green. Uh, I don't. Is this is the first time it's traveled for a while? Yeah. I think for a good minute, it's kind of stayed in Lexington. And we're going back there. Going back there. For one year. Yeah. And then where? I don't know. Well, hmm. somewhere fun, I hope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that I, I don't know if that's been finalized, but yeah, we're still, we're trying to plan two years out because just like a wedding, everything takes a good year in advance to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we like to do ours in the fall and it's wedding season. True. So. Yeah. We usually do it end of september mm-hmm. but yeah. we're working on a we're working on 2021 already but yeah next year uh it'll be in lexington yeah this year's i was really impressed with how this year's turned out Me too. Um, it was a nice space it was a really nice space good attendance i think yeah for that area the state you know we had some really awesome speakers yep um one of them i may have invited and <laughs> may have forgotten All right, what happened what okay, is the so story I'll tell you what happened so <laughs> Here's what it's. it's there it's was a speaker funny, thanking Lee so for inviting him, it's, and Lee uh, is looking at me going, "I didn't invite him." It's so embarrassing, and I feel so terrible about it. But I did go up to him and apologize, and told him exactly why I was apologizing. So we planned this conference like forever ago. I mean, it was in September, so January, February ish. We were looking for neonatal and pediatric topics. And um, I had a contact from Benell from the jet ventilator company. And uh, have you ever used one? No, yeah. no, I haven't. I want to. I feel like they're getting popular again. Am I correct in saying that? I think they're coming to Louisville. If oh. I think they might already be. Here. Maybe that's why I'm hearing about them more. I know that they're in Lexington, but they're definitely coming to Louisville. Okay, um, cool. However, so I reached out to my contact. He puts me in touch with uh, this really awesome guy named Evan, director of education for the company. And he calls me and he's like, hey, I would love to come speak. Here's a list of my topics. Which one? Um, so I picked one. And then I gave him the details. And then I gave Lisa his details. Yeah. And then Lisa planned it all because she was planning it. And she had all of that yep. taken care of. I didn't even have to worry about it. Um, so then he got up on stage <laughs> and he said, well, I'd like to thank Lee for inviting me. And I looked at you and I thought, <laughs> I think he means to thank Lisa because Lee didn't invite him. Um, and then he said it again. Thank you, Lee, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here in Kentucky talking about this. And then he said, I'm Evan Richards from Bunnell. And I said, oh, my God, I invited him. Um, so, you know, it had been a good nine months since we had contacted each other. And I absolutely yeah, he was great. forgot. But let me tell you, for those of you listening, his lecture was amazing. Yeah. The graphics were oh, yeah. so phenomenal, so engaging. Um, and just overall, like, even though I had to go and tell him that I was really sorry that I forgot I invited him, um, he forgave me for that. And then he sat down with us afterwards and taught us more. Um, and we've actually been in contact since. And he shared some PowerPoints and some tips. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely not my finest moment. May have <laughs> forgotten that I invited somebody. Um, yeah, that won't happen again. Yeah, no, it's good. It is good. Yeah, so I'm looking forward. So next year, like I said, 2020. Wow, 
Already 20. Already in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it'd be a Lexington. Yeah. I'm sure we'll start working on that here soon. Um, and that's why I'll forget who I invite. That's why we'll i start working on it now. These dogs are going crazy. They'll be getting a walk soon. Um, yeah. And so I started talking about conferences and where do you find value in uh, organizational membership? I think there's a lot of people who may think, you know, oh, KSRC, ARC, whatever, you know, what are they? Is it license? Can't even tell the difference between, you know, a board versus the society. Um, but why do you, what value do you derive uh, since we, we both are involved, you know, in the Kentucky Society, yeah. uh, ARC, um, where have you found value uh, in being a member? I think the um, my favorite part, perhaps, of being a member has been the networking. Same here. Really, I mean, respiratory care, as we've said, and as you'll hear, and it's so true, it's such a small community. Um, and really getting involved with the KSRC you're getting involved with the most um, just really outgoing, passionate leaders and educators and RTs from the state who are interested in creating educational opportunities and creating these opportunities for advancement. I mean, we work with the board. We suggest things to the board. We have leaders who might potentially be on the board in the future. Um, And really that networking and the impact that each person can play has been really eye-opening for me. Um, And, you know, I came from a program where we were taught very clearly the differences between the KBRC, the KSRC, the AARC, the MBRC. Um, So we knew that coming out, and I know you do the same thing. Um, And make them write a paper right before they graduate. Yeah, I didn't have to write a paper. (laughs) Shout out to Dr. Christy Kane. Um, But I did. um, Bellarmine is ranked number one. In the nation. For quality of bachelor degree? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. World class. There you, go. there you go. And a new health professions education PhD program. Yeah. Man. Womp womp. They know what they're doing over there. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I came from that program and we knew we had to know what the differences were and what each organization did. And we actually um, were encouraged to be student members of the AARC and to continue yeah. that. And um, through that, I became a member of the KSRC, um, you know, since they're tied together. Um, and it's just been really awesome. Um the opportunities for education, the meetings and the opportunities to work on committees with groups that really want to drive the profession forward and make it what it is. Um, we're not going to get there if we don't have people like that doing this. So it's really awesome. But I would say hands down the networking and getting to know everybody throughout the state, um, really from side to side has been the best for me. Yeah. Um, what I've noticed too is the, Ability to affect change because there is such a small group of people in Kentucky, unfortunately, that are involved that when there is a potential to change certain things, it's huge. Oh, I'm the person (laughs) or I'm part of the group of people that can, wow, you know, more people should know about this. (laughs) I mean, we're affecting, I mean, and I think, you know, well, I think, and hopefully in a positive way, but affecting people's livelihoods right. and profession. People went to college for years to become a respiratory therapist. I think 
should. <laughs> I think everybody advocate should be and should be, you know, and, and be involved. So I definitely, you know, um, hope, you know, those listening that maybe are on the fence about, well, where does my $90 a year go to, you know, part of that, part of that goes back to Kentucky and, and goes to directly advocating, uh, for people. Yeah. Uh, you know, the KBRC protects the people of Kentucky from us, <laughs> you know, from, uh, from RTs that maybe don't have the correct licensure or the, uh, should be practicing. And then the KSRC, uh, advocates for the therapists in Kentucky. So I think, right. uh, definitely, uh, get involved, volunteer. I think volunteering has been the biggest thing for me. I was lackadaisical. I was kind of bored with bedside. I started volunteering. You'll never feel bad after doing a lung walk or stair climb or, uh, okay. Don't anything. lie. You might feel bad after the stair climb. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Uh, volunteer as a healthcare worker. There you, you don't go. have to do it. There you go. <laughs> volunteering. You might not feel bad about, but, but um, the networking from that, the job opportunities, I've had people offer me jobs. Oh, Hey, I'm a director over here. Uh, we're hiring. Oh, thank you so much. You know, but blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if you're looking for a career change, if you're looking for a different job opportunity, yeah, get involved. Volunteer, American Lung Association, KSRC. Because um, that's really uh, where, if I'm a leader and I'm looking for quality people and someone's volunteering, I mean, hey, this person it's really going probably someone that I on. want to be on my team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? I think we've covered. I think just going back to membership, we could do a little, uh, a quick little shout out or a quick little plea maybe. Um, so most recently, um, and I don't have the data in front of me, but back in August when we were reviewing and having our membership, um, committee meetings, I think at the time we only had about, um, Gosh, I want to say, like, how many active members do you think we had on the uh, AARC? 600? There weren't. Give or take. I think it was maybe, I think it was closer to 550 in August, yeah. um, but I think we've come up a little since I then. like 590 or something like that. Maybe. Sure. We'll it. say that. Yeah, I haven't looked at it yet for <laughs> October. Um, but really, there are some great opportunities and. Um, you know, it's not that expensive. So I would encourage anybody yeah. um, to become a member and to really just start participating in some of these events because we have some awesome education opportunities. Um, I learned a lot at our conference just from the vendors that were there showing new equipment and some of the upcoming equipment that was coming out or uh, may have came out recently. Um, yeah. we, need, we need you. Yeah. Also... For those that may need CEUs. Yes. Nothing. Well, uh, I'm a big supporter of American Lung Association. Uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, November 22nd, uh, is the Lung Force Expo. I wish I could tell you how many CEUs, but I could tell you, but I don't have that on me right now. <laughs> uh, but check it out action.lung.org uh, or just google lung force expo uh, Kentucky uh, and that is 29 days away November 22nd I will be there um, 
November 8th through the 12th is the American Association of Respiratory Care Congress. So if anyone wants to go to New Orleans, that's happening. November 11th and 12th, if you're looking for um, credential advancement, um, Norton Children's Hospital is hosting an adult critical care catering seminar. Oh, really? And the week after that, I believe it's November, I want to say 18th and 19th off the top of my head. Um, same location, NPS review. So if you're interested in either the adult critical care specialty or the neonatal and pediatric specialty, we're bringing both of those to Sweet. Louisville. Um, there are open seats, so feel free to go online to Kettering's website and check that out. Norton's <laughs> is killing it with the ACCS credential. Goodness gracious. You know, we got to get more RTs on board with the adult critical care because we don't have very many. Nationwide. Really? Oh, nationwide. I yeah. was like, no, I think. Oh, I think if we're talking Louisville. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. As far as Louisville goes, <laughs> I think Norton's has like 98%. Of the ACCS credentialed RTs, probably. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to. This is my show. I'm going to say it. <laughs> uh, I can say whatever I want. I can be yes, as biased can. as I want uh, for now, right? Um, but yeah. True. So those are things that are coming up. I know a few people have been asking on Facebook about getting CEUs. And KSRC doesn't have anything formally scheduled. Uh, but, the, but what we just said. Mm-hmm. Lung Force Expo, Norton Healthcare Network, uh, advanced credentials. So, yeah. yeah. So, look that stuff up. Anything else? Uh, I can't think of anything. This has been anything? fun. Yeah. I'm glad you came on. I'm excited to, uh, have to do it again. Listen to it as soon as it gets posted. Yep. See how many people listen to it. Uh, a I don't like thousand. to hear myself talk. So, I think a I, get a, I get a penny a listen. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> One I, I think I have like $8 in the bank. So that's what's up. There you go. <laughs> that's about $707 more than I thought I would have listened. There you go. Yeah. I so. mean, it's been incredible. Um, I think it's fun. I do think you need a jingle. And I do think we should also go back to our debate about the best song with breathe or breathing in it. Yeah. Um. But until then, <laughs> we'll save that debate for the next time uh, you're on. So, all right, Lee, thanks a lot. No problem. Appreciate thanks for it. having me. All right. Uh, and thank you all out there for listening. Talk to you later.